of you that were here last week, or not for that matter, we had a, uh, our discussion was revolving around the sense of endurance. Endurance. When things are tough, how do we keep going? And uh, we took a, I thought, a pretty insightful and a, um, accelerated look at maybe looking at that. We, it was, there was a lot of discussion. There was a lot of things. There was, someone asked a question last week that I'd maybe like to dig into a little bit further. And one of the things, why are we here? What is our purpose? Why did man, what's it, what's it all about? And I'm thinking about even some of the things we're talking about in prayer requests. Um, I'll tell you right now that our society in which it's engaged, literally, if evolution is true, it's an accident. We're here by chance. It's totally irrelevant of how you live or there is no purpose. It must be totally purposeless. Is it any wonder we've got challenges? But we want to, we want to really get into that in, in a fuller detail and uh, just see where the Bible leads us today. But before we go any further, let's just pause for prayer. Father God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love, your care, your concern, and your greatness, your glory, the awesome character of who you are. Father, we'll ask that you will guide our thoughts today, that we would be open to receiving the Word of God. We thank you for giving us the owner's manual, Father, allowing us to see you the way you want us to see you. Father, we'd pray for all of those that are here today. We ask that you'd bless them and their families for their willingness to come out and to worship and to lift your name up, to praise you. Father, we especially are thankful for this upcoming season, even in the time of Thanksgiving, for us to, to give thanks. And also, Father, for the commemoration of the birth of your Son, who came to accomplish the most difficult task that could have ever been done, to conquer sin. Father, we thank you for what was accomplished, and today we want to give you ourselves, looking with anticipation to the Word of God, asking that the Holy Spirit would solely and exclusively be our teacher. We'll look to you now for these moments before us, and then we ask these things in Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> and you're maybe here today, and if I was to ask you, why are you here? How did you get here? Is there a purpose in all of this? And, and it's amazing how society will fill those blanks in. Uh, some are, well, to be successful. And describe success for me. How would you say success? How would you describe success? Or maybe let me say it differently before you say it. You're in, you're, in, you're in church, you're in a gathering here, we're surrounding ourselves with the Bible. So let's just step outside of the door, go down to downtown Ennis, Sheridan, Twin Bridges, Whitehall, Dylan, if you're from any other, that place too, and ask, ask ourselves, how would one describe as being successful? Or if you were asked the question, what is your purpose? What would be some answers that you may get? Money. Okay. Anything else? Let's just jot a few of those down. That's it. There's, there's no more, no more ideas. Yes. <laughs> At the top of the corporate oh, some power then. Top of the corporate ladder. Is that what you said? Yeah. So we'll just go with with power. Huh? We could put prestige there as well. What else could we say? Fame. Excuse me. Fame. Yeah, that goes along there well. Happiness. Happiness. The school teachers change people's lives. Yeah. 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 Okay, so what should we say, Paul? Let's shorten it just a little bit. Um, I'm going to put that over here. There we go. That's exactly what I was just going to write. Making a difference. Difference. I'm writing small enough so you can't tell I'm misspelling. Thank you very much. Sloppy. Yeah, there we go. What else? How would you, what would you hear if, and, and by the way, you should try that sometime. Just go visit with someone. Tell me what success is. What is success to you? To do a good job. To do a good job? Okay. To do a good job. 
Okay, what else? Have we exhausted it? Good witnesses. Good witnesses. Oh, you're, is that what you think you get out in the world? No, but, that, but that's from you. Okay. To be a good witness. Ernie just said the top three are what we have right here, money, power, and fame. What do you guys think? Is there something else that could, could displace those? The I, I understand. No, I understand. But again, we're, we yeah, stepped outside. You've got four. We've got four pretty big ones, don't we? Yeah. Excuse me? Beauty. I, I'd have to, would you, would you not agree? Let's, let's just, yeah, let's say looks because men want to be handsome and women want to be beautiful. So let's just say good looks. How's that? Charisma? We'll put that back in here. What do you think? Have we captured it? Okay, what, what do you think, Mom? What else? Well, I've stumped you. Excuse me? Popularity. I think I, we could put that there, couldn't we? Yeah, we surely could. I mean, who, who doesn't want to be popular, right? How many friends do you have on Facebook? <laughs> How many friends do you have on Facebook? Yeah. Oh, wow. If I was going to ask, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. Who has the most friends on Facebook? Is it more than, no, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But it's amazing, isn't it? It's a point of, it's a point of conversation, isn't it? Very much so. Very much so. And the perception is, the more friends, the better it is, right? Yeah, exactly. What else would... Caring for others. There's a good one. Caring for others. Now, this would be all under the, uh, the guise of success. Now, as you can tell, and I didn't necessarily... I kind of did, but you can see there's the left side... Money, power, fame, happiness, popularity, good looks, or charisma, and on the right side, making a difference. To do a good job, to be a good witness, caring for others. Um, seem to be very different in the sense of focus. Correct? And also just one thing would be, you know, the success would be to, to do whatever, the freedom to do whatever you want to do. Okay, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, and, that, and, and by the, by the way, that, that's kind of maybe some of it behind, I'm going to say money, power, and fame is if you have those things, then you can do anything you want to do. Ernie. If I heard you right, the, the list on the left is all about self, and the list on the right is about towards others. A very different list, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that will be interesting is, the, on the left is, as you aptly pointed out, it has to do with a lot of our perception of self, correct? How, how much, that, that's really looking at self, correct? Now, what, what, what's amazing is how much of this stuff on the left, money, power, fame, happiness, popularity. Oh, by the way, I'm going to take happiness. There's one of them under there that I'm going to just pick on happiness for a moment. If you're here or you're anywhere and your sole purpose is to seek happiness, it will continue to be elusive. You'll never, ever find it if that's what you're seeking. It can't be found. But it's amazing. I mean, this is a little bit, this is, this is, uh, a little bit of a branch off in another way, and there's no charge for any of this right now. So this is free information. But if you are going to do these things, making a difference, to do a good job, to be a good witness, caring for others, guess what happens? When that's your focus, happiness comes along as a free benefit. But these, money, power, fame, popularity, good looks, charisma, happiness is never going to be found because self is never satisfied with what it has. Never. So this is interesting, the success that you've given to me, very different, very contrary in the sense of focuses, aren't they? But now let's take a step back from that. Where did you come from? Why are you here? And what is your purpose? Here to learn, okay, to glorify God. So how'd you get here? Just by an accident? Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you, Alice. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's a lot of folks. You are on detention, girl. No. I'm just kidding. You'll have to sit in the front row next week. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. To teach others. Okay. How did you get here? Was it an accident? Excuse me? Nobody asked us? That, actually, that's, that's, that's a true point, isn't it? None of you were asked whether you wanted to be here. So how did you get here? God created us. God created us. Let's go to Genesis for a moment. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. And let's look at this. We'll go to verses 26 and 27. And the whole chapter one is a it's a it's a it's a chapter that is so powerful in what's going on. In fact, it's hard to just if you just read it, it's 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 almost unimaginable to understand how much stuff has went on in chapter one. The whole universe has been created from nothing, but God takes in verses twenty six and twenty seven. He says something. Well, let's start in verse 25. Let's see, the, let's see the difference in the context. It says, God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, and created he them. Wow. That's pretty heavy now, isn't it? Now we no longer have accidents. We have a designed creation, and that, I'm talking the word creation, to create out of nothing. Now, now, technically, if you go to chapter 2, you'll find that everything else God spoke into existence, but Adam, guess what he did? He took some dust and he formed it into man. Now think of that. For God to literally make man in his own image. There's a lot of good stuff going on there. First of all, it tells us we have worth. You have worth. Now, as, as uh, Linda said, I'm struggling with her name. I knew you, but I couldn't pick up your name. As Linda said, you know, we didn't have a lot to say about it. But I want us to go to Psalm chapter 139 for a moment. It's even more in interesting in the sense of how God sees you. Psalm 139, and let's look at verses 13 through 16. Psalm 139. I'll be there in a second. <clears throat> Psalm 139, verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in, while in uh, continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. And there's another verse that I've missed. Where is that one? I wrote down the wrong verse. How about that? Oh, no, here we go, here we go. Oh, Thankfully, I read the wrong verses, and you guys didn't tell me. Here we go. Try it again. Here we go. Here, Psalm 139, I apologize. Verse 13 through 16. There we go. Verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which is the continuance were fashioned as if there were none of them. All of that being said, you were specially and specifically made by God. Now that gives value. There's, there are children today, there are, there are actually people of all ages that literally are just floundering around because they have no value. They've given up. There's no purpose. They're just aimlessly, just, they're living for a weekend. They're maybe chasing after the money trail and absolutely fleeting in the wind because how much of that money do you get to take with you when your last moment on earth 
nothing. The same with power or fame, the perceptions of success. All of those literally evaporate, and they're so fleeting, aren't they? It's amazing how much month there can be at the end of money, right? Even in my own life, the ups and downs in the sense of monetary value, and, and, and at some time you feel, quote, comfortable, and other times, zoom, it's gone. And, and you, if, if that's where your success is, if that's where your faith is, oh my goodness, correct? And so ultimately, if this is what you're focused on, if this is your success, then anytime that that evaporates, guess what happens to your hope? It's gone. It's evaporated. There's nothing left because it's fleeting as the wind. But first and foremost, you're in good hands when you've been made by God. You're in good hands. You exist because He made you. There's a maker. Life has meaning. Along the lines of some of this, let's, uh, let's go to 1 Timothy for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7. The Bible has a lot to say about a number of these things. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7. It's amazing how this is so true. It's simple, but it's very true. It says, for we brought nothing into this world. Well, that's true. And it is certain that we can carry nothing out. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So, you know... That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Why do we lose sight of that? Now, I, I want to point out another thing. It, it, it is imperative for us to say uh, that is not the sense of, oh, well, I don't have any, there's nothing to live for then if we can't do that stuff. What was, did you see in Genesis chapter 1 where God actually did give us some stuff to do? He gave us dominion over the creation. Now, did you see what was not mentioned there? By the way, do you know what the number one concern is for our younger generation? I'm, I'm sorry, from like 18 to like 30. What is that? Is that the, what generation is that? The, the X generation? No. No one knows. I'm good to say that. Anyway, it's the generation is 18 to 30. How's that? Okay. Do you know the number, this is worldwide. We've done a survey. The number one most important concern to them that worries them the most about their future is climate change. Now that, friends, now that, friends, I, I read Genesis just one right now, and you know it was not there for us to try to take care of? The climate. That's God's business. He's always taken care of it. And I'm okay with Him to continue that. Now, how we take care of the other stuff is important, and it gives us something to do, doesn't it? But we want to be in the right relationship to Him. So let's talk about, let's go to, let's go to Isaiah chapter 43. And we're going to find out a couple of verses that describe for us our purpose in being here. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 7. This is God speaking. Isaiah receiving the message. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7, it says this. Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yes, I have made him. Verse 21, same chapter. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. So there's something here now. God has created us with a purpose, and that is to bring glory to him, and literally we are to enjoy him forever. Now, uh, Paul, that would be the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Is the, chief end of man. the chief end of man is to... Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Enjoy him forever. I mean, if you're going to cut it all down, that's where it comes to. And you say, okay, wow. What does that mean? How do you, how do you give glory to God? I mean, we say that a lot, don't we? I, I find myself, as I was digging into this, studying, uh, it was actually, I, I probably studied more on this than I have in a long time. It's probably the last three or four days. And, and you know, the word glory, what does it mean? What, how, do, how do you give glory to God? That's what I spend most of my time talking about today. How do we do that? Now, one of the things I want to start, first of all, what is the glory of God? Does He have to have glory from us to have glory? No. There's, the first, there's two types of glory that He really has, has part of His whole... I, I'm going to back off and say that. There's two types of glory. We'll say that. One of it is called intrinsic it's the very issue that he, the, the attributes that God is, it's just part of that. That's part of the glory that he is, the awesome, the outrageously amazing, powerful glory that he 
hats that he sustains in the very essence of interest, uh, interest, okay, intrinsic, intrinsic. There we go. Just about got it. One more time. Intrinsically. There we go. That's what I wanted to say. Excuse me on the tip. I, I didn't mean to be so that over the top. But you'll never forget the word intrinsic now, will you? Because I did not pronounce it. Here we go. For instance, do you have to make water wet? No, it is wet. Do you have to make the sun light? No, it's part of, and that's the very thing I want you to see today. God has glory in the very essence of who he is. He's holy, he's righteous, he's just. All of the things that make him God really overpowering and permeates the very essence of glory. That's his. That's his. But there's another thing, and he made everything to declare or to permeate and to give glory to him. For instance, let's go to Psalm chapter 19 for a moment. Psalm chapter 19. And let's look at something here. This is, again, a, an amazing thing. That What a beautiful area that we live in. Uh, Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, says this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. That The universe that He created actually literally declares and shows or gives glory to God. And I'll tell you what, the more you study it, the more design you see, it is totally outrageously amazing. Is it not? I love, and, and the, the eccentricities, no, no matter how small you go, to the largest scope of the universe, which no one has ever figured out how big it is. Think of that. And there's nothing short of the most magnificent design that we could possibly never fully understand. And all of that declares glory to God. His creatures, in fact, let's go to uh, Revelation chapter uh, 4. Uh, Revelation chapter 4, last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says this. Revelation 4, 11. Speaking of the worthiness of God, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? That's starting to lay things out for us. We can see what God's purpose is for us. In fact, on, on that same note, uh, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. Uh, Colossians is a wonderful epistle. It speaks of the supremacy of Christ. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. I'll start in verse 15. Speaking of Christ's character, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. Wow. So maybe one of the things that are extremely important to us right now, if we know that's God's purpose, that He has created us purposeful purposefully for us to give Him glory and literally for us to enjoy Him forever. Maybe the first and foremost thing would be us to understand who God is. Who is God? That's a really important consideration. What did He do? Well, we found out that He just created a lot of things. But why is He worthy of our praise? That'd be something that, you know, uh, that seems just a little bit over the top. What do you mean? He wants our praise. He wants our glory. He wants our honor. Uh, what? Well, there's three reasons I'd like to point out for you. Three reasons. And the first, we find that it's just as obvious as we've just found. Why does He deserve our glory? He made us. <laughs> That's exactly right. Now, if you can make something like God made, you may deserve some glory, but guess what? You get to start with nothing, too. Try that for a while. You can't do it. God made us. He deserves it. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Romans eleven thirty six. 36. <clears throat> Getting used to my new Bible. It doesn't flop open like my other one did. Where I... Romans chapter 11, verse 36. For, by, for of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. That's beautifully said. Proverbs chapter 16, 
verse 4. And you say, man, you're reading a lot of Scripture. Yes, I am, because I want you to make sure that you understand that this stuff is in the Bible, the owner's manual, if you will, of telling us how, what, and why. Commit thy works, I'm sorry, verse 4, chapter 16 of, of Proverbs. The Lord hath made all things for Himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everything that's been made, He's made. Everything. Think of those that give praise to Him. Even Remember the angels in Luke chapter 2, whereas we're approaching the Christmas season? What did they do? Let's go to Luke chapter 2. No one's going to tell me, so we're going to keep going to the Bible, right? Luke chapter 2. And let's look at what those angels did on that night. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly, this is after Christ was born in the city of Bethlehem. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Wow. The angels, every Every creature you see, including nature, all of, do you see it? It's all coming together, giving praise and honor and glory to God because He deserves it. He's made them to glorify Him. Now, the other side, there's one left, is there's a reason, how do you want to say it? If someone doesn't glorify God, that's a, that's a risky business. That's a real risky business. Now, Pharaoh, do you remember the 10 plagues, the Egyptians? And, and Pharaoh and the, and the Israelites were there. I'm not going to go through all of it, but you remember that, sort of? Boy, you guys are really not very... Yeah. Yes, thank you. Very good. Coming, coming right along now. Yes, you're, you're, you've just moved out of detention. Very good. Way to get it. Way to get it going, right? Okay, here we go. But we got the 10 plagues. You got the Egyptians and you have the Israelites. And this is how God said, I want, I'm going to call you out of Egypt to take you to the land of Canaan. I'm going to take you to a place that I'm going to give you as an inheritance. You are my chosen people, and here you go. And the Egyptians said... I don't think so, because I want you guys to keep working for us for nothing. We want you to be our slaves and to build stuff, and we'll tell you, we'll tell you when and how and how high to jump. And God said, uh, no, I don't think so. Moses comes on, on the scene, and of course, Moses, I can't get too darn on this trail, but Moses had taken off like a jackrabbit, right? He's a long ways away. He had given up on everything, and God says, I want you because I've got a purpose for you. You see, it's amazing. All of you out here today sitting all have a unique value and purpose that God has you specifically set to do. That's cool. Moses had his. He was supposed to leave these, these weird, wild, woolly Israelites out of Egypt, two million of them, into the land of Canaan. And Pharaoh was standing in the way. Pharaoh was desperately standing in the way. And you know what happened? For 10 plagues, serious plagues, in fact, got all the way to the end of the death of the firstborn. And, and Pharaoh consistently all the way along was dragging his heels saying, no, no, no. He's not going to glorify God in any way, shape, or form. You know what God said about him? I want you to go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. You see, in the end, God wins. That's just the way it is. You'll give honor and glory to him now or you will do it later. Exodus chapter 14, and let's look at verse 17. I think that's right. Exodus chapter 14, verse 17. Behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they, will, they shall follow them, and I will get me honor from Pharaoh, and upon all his host, upon his chariots, upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. Now that is interesting, isn't it? You're going to give God honor even if you say you're not going to. And you know the end result of that. He, God, won. I'm going to tell you one other situation. And this one here is it's all over the top. I don't know that it'll ever happen again, but the most powerful man I think the world has ever known, literally, from the beginning of time to as far as we've come today, uh, the Antichrist will be incredibly powerful as we'll be going forward. But from this point backwards, there was one man I still say was probably the overall most powerful man in the world at the time in which he ruled and reigned, and his name was Nebuchadnezzar. You'll find him in Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar was a power hog. He was fully and completely in control. He could end your life at a flip of a finger, or he could do whatever he wanted to do. Literally, if you talk about success, Nebuchadnezzar had it all. He had fame. He had power. He had more money than he even knew what to do with, and everyone was his slave. That should be success, right? Well, it was until God 
came, came across this line. I'd like us to go, I'm going to find it, we'll have to go to Daniel, and I want you to see someone that refused to give glory to God. Let's go to Daniel, the book of Daniel, and I'd like to recite this for you. Daniel, and we're going to probably find it in about verse, chapter, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll be there in a minute. Where are we going to find that? There we go, it's in, it's in uh, chapter 4, chapter 4 of Daniel. Let's see if we can find where we want to start. Uh, we'll start in verse 28, okay? Here's, here's Nebuchadnezzar. It's, toward the, it's kind of toward the end of his, I mean, he was, he was the guy. All this, verse 28, came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he walked in the palace. Now, I want to stop for a moment. God had given him forewarning. That's the nice thing about God. God's grace is so amazing, isn't it? This is even before Jesus Christ died. He's, it's before He literally laid down His life and took the penalty for our sin. Before that even, God gave Nebuchadnezzar a chance to get it right. He gave him a dream. He gave him a vision. He said, this is what's going to happen. Daniel comes in. He said, oh, king, this is what's coming to you unless you humble yourself, unless you give glory to God. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, what? I don't give anybody but me. That's where we're going to step into right now. Verse 28, it says, And this all came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, one year later, he walked into the palace of the kingdom of Babylon, and the king spoke and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Is he on a kick or what? This guy's got egotism to the max. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you. <laughs> Who can do that? Watch, watch. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall this pass over you until you know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. That same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men, and did eat grass as the oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like the bird's claws. Now stop for a second. Let's say that you walked in the next day. Where's Nebuchadnezzar? The family, the family says, he's in the backyard, literally eating grass. He'd lost his mind. He was completely insane. And you say, that can't be. Yes, it was. And you know what? Let's keep reading because I'm going to tell you something. God gets his glory. Watch. The, uh, at the end of the days, this would be seven years later. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and the brightness returned unto me, and my counselors, my lodge sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. The excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he shall be able to abase. That is powerful. I almost like reading that. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah you, you saw it. Yeah, I felt it. <laughs> and that's the third reason we should glorify God. Because he's going to get it either way. That Pharaoh, and he refused to the to the to the brutal end, Nebuchadnezzar was, well, he was kicking and dragging, but you know what? He got it. In fact, it tells us in, in Philippians chapter 2 that, in fact, let's go there. I want you to see the ultimate in humility and the ultimate in supremacy. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Yes. Um, okay, good question. What, what did I, where did I have it? Oh, he, first of all, the reason that you want to go because he made us, he deserves it. And then we went to Proverbs chapter 16, Colossians 1.16. He made us to glorify Him. He literally made us to glorify Him. That was the reason He made us, okay? He deserves it. He made us to glorify Him. And the third one is, He's going to get it one way or another. 
That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Now, let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 2. If you want to see the epitome of humility, if you really want to see it, you'll start in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Now, watch the, the, how this just moves from the lowest state, if you will, in the sense of, of humility to the very essence of the highest point of reigning as a king. Here we go. Philippians chapter 2, it's talking about Jesus Christ. Let this mind, verse 5, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he was God, the very God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. I, now, I can't quite even grasp that. Some have said it's like a man becoming like a slug or a snail. No, you can't even do it justice. You're talking about an infinite God that literally just said, you know what? This is the only way we can save this race, this humankind that, we've de that we decided before we made them that they would fall into sin. We knew that was going to happen. How would we save them? By God himself. Oh, unreal. Unreal. And you talk about love and sacrifice, but let's keep going. And be, excuse me? Philippians chapter 2. And we're starting in verse 5. We're now in verse 8. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, that is probably as torturous. There's not another way to be tortured more, I believe, than actual crucifixion. That's, that's crazy. I mean, just, just for a moment, to, to, be, to be nailed to a cross... And then the way, the way you sit there, see, they actually would have kept a peg of which you could, you could sit on because as you, as, as you would exhale, you see, it would literally be hanging and, and it would be in a whole, it's just as excruciating pain as you can possibly imagine. And for them to be able to push up, guess what they're pushing up on? Their feet, which is nailed. So that's excruciating pain just to get another breath to exhale and do it all over again. By the very people he created. By the very people he created. But he chose it. It says he chose it. In fact, if you go to Hebrews chapter 12, he endured it for the joy of what would happen. And that was to regain what had been lost through sin. We'll be getting into that in a moment. Let's keep going. Watch, watch. Wherefore, because of all of that, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is a powerful passage of Scripture. You'll see the full ex extent of Jesus Christ. Okay, are you wore out yet? No. Good. Okay, that, otherwise we were going to stop, but Tony said we're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep rolling. Okay, now the, the part we want to spend the bulk of our time left, I don't know how far we'll get, but that's okay. We'll let God determine that. Is now I want to, I want, how, how, how do we give glory to God? What, what's, what's the list? How, how do we give glory to God? So we've seen, yeah, He's going to get it. We deserve it. What's, excuse me? To God be the glory for all great things. That's right, for all the great things He has done. To God be the glory, great things He has done. That's one of them, yeah. Worship, praise, yeah. One of the things I'd like to take us now to, uh, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians, and I'd like to go to verse 10 and verse 31. It sets us up. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he's going to give us a picture of how we need to, what we need to aim for, if you will. I lost my glasses again. Oh, there they are. Thank you. All right. 1 Corinthians, let's go to verse 10. You're already there. Just wait. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. <laughs> there we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Passage, or a verse that you're probably very familiar with. But let's take a look at it. How do we give glory to God? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So one of the things I'm going to say is this. What are you aiming at? See, if your purpose in life is to glorify God, then your aim of life should be to giving Him glory, giving Him credit, giving Him all the things that He's worthy of. He's the one that got it all done. The only reason you're here is because He allowed it. See, that's what's cool. When we kind of get on our mighty high horse and say, who's God to want to have all of this stuff? Uh, until you can make your own human being out of nothing... He wins. He's in charge. That's just the way it is. 
I'm not even sorry about it because thankfully he loves us so much. The real first reason for us to give glory to God and the way to do that is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. When Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for us, we just talked about it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. He did it because He loved us. And when we are... You remember what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of, the Garden of Eden? They disobeyed God. There was something that happened. Now, if you think of it, uh, and you talk about... You, you want to talk about where there should have been some marriage seminars, it would have been after they sinned, right? Because here you have Adam and Eve, which lived in a perfect, 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 I'm trying to get you there, perfect, perfect environment. It's as good and perfect as you could make it because it was. See, none of you have had the opportunity to know what a perfect marriage looked like. They did. Because you have one man, no spares. There wasn't Eve and Jill and Sally in case he couldn't get along with Eve. No, there was one because he wanted one and one to be together. She didn't get Steve or Josh, or somebody else. It was Adam, and it was Eve. And he made them two to be together. He brought them together, and he married them. And it was perfect. And then, and then, along comes the temptation of sin. And what was that temptation, literally? To put self on the throne. I'm more worried about myself. Satan said, you can be like God really? And they doubted the fact that God was really all in it for them. They doubted that God really was the deal for them. And Eve said, huh, it looks like pretty good. I think it was a Fuji myself. That <laughs> they didn't have honey crisps then, but they had a Fuji. And they went over and they grabbed that bad boy. And she said, it tastes good too. Now at this point, What's Adam doing? Now, this is the really sad part. Adam was to be the protector of his wife, Eve. It, I'm convinced, especially looking at the text, he was sitting right there watching this take place. So they're both at fault. And she gives it. It's not bad. It is not bad. As if they needed something to eat. No, that wasn't it at all. They disobeyed God because they didn't trust him enough to let him be the God that he wanted them, that, that he was. And they threw it out, threw him out for what? To put self in the throne of their life. And ever since then, in fact, let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Because of that, something happened to the human race. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. As a result of that, the whole sense of the human race was infected, if you will, with sin. And the wages of sin is death. That's a big problem. Now we have a, a huge barrier between God and man right there in the garden. Now think of the day after that. <laughs> right? Can you imagine that? You talk about there was a little domestic warfare. Can you imagine that house that next day? Boy, E, that was really good. Good going there, girl. Way to go. Now we're going to get thrown out of the garden, and it's all because of you. Eve says, oh, sure, Adam, right? You're sitting right there. You're telling me what? Nothing. Can you see it? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But the first step to giving glory to God is literally accepting that free gift that Jesus Christ paid for. And, we, when, and all we have to do is say this, Lord God, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I ask you to become my Savior. I ask you to be everything that I need to go forward. I know that you've, you've told me that you will forgive my sins, that you will become my Savior, that I become a brand new person. And when you say that, when you trust that in your heart, when, that's, when you mean business, guess what happens? That's the first and foremost way to give God glory. And when you've done that, you become a brand new person. And things now, God can get glory that He never could have gotten any other way. That's first and foremost. And by the way, everyone needs to do that because we got a sin problem. We can't fix it. But God did. He sent Jesus Christ to pay for all of that that didn't owe anything. We did. Man, I like this God, don't you? Wow, incredible, incredible. A brand new birth, and I didn't deserve any of it. One of the things also to give God glory is not only that giving your heart, giving your life to Jesus Christ, the second one is literally 
God gets glory when we confess our sin. Now, I want to show you the absolute opposite of that. Let's go back to Adam. Let's, uh, yeah, just disregard. That was nothing, right? That was a call from heaven, right? No, it wasn't. Uh, let, let's go back and let's see how Adam responded now to God after he and his wife had disobeyed God. Now, I want you to see this because the opposite of confession of sin is to not take responsibility for it. It's someone else's fault. Now, isn't that what's happening in our society? It's amazing to me in Washington, D.C. Everything is somebody else's fault. No, it's not. We're responsible for our own sin. Let's, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. God unveils this for us in His Word. Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to watch carefully of how this unfolds. Genesis chapter 3. Watching this. <clears throat> i got to get there a moment. Now, we'll, we'll just... Uh, let's see. We'll drop into verse 6. Chapter 3 of Genesis says this. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. See, that's what she wanted. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verse 7. The eyes of them both are opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sold fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, i got to tell you that. Have any of you ever taken a walk in the afternoon with God? Personally, no. Can you imagine that? Because that's what they did in the afternoon. Oh, honey, uh, maybe they didn't have a watch, but it's, it's time for our walk with God. Now, you see, that's one of the expressions we use today is, you know, I'm just, I want to have a closer walk with God. Now, how you do that when you confess your sins before God and accept Jesus Christ as your sin, guess what happens? A brand new intimate relationship that allows you to literally walk with Him in spirit. But think of it, physically in the garden walking with God. Now, they went to the local, uh, what would you call that shop? The dress shop? The fig shop? The leaf shop? Whatever it was. And they got, they got equipped. Adam and, Eve, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, where, where are you? As if he didn't know. And Adam said, um, uh, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not? It's amazing how God comes right to it, doesn't he? Zoom, right there. Did you eat of the tree? Now watch what Adam says. What would have been the right thing to say? Stop for just a second. Don't look at what it's, you already know what it says, but what would be the right response for Adam right now to say? What would be the right thing to give glory to God right now? I confess, I sinned against you. He didn't know what sin was, but I, I've, done, I've disobeyed you. Think of that. He didn't even know what sin was, but he was feeling it, wasn't he? But what did he do? Watch this. It's been going on ever since. <laughs> the man said, the woman that you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and then I ate. In other words, who is he blaming? It's actually worse than that. Uh, the woman you gave me, if you wouldn't have given me this woman, we wouldn't have had this problem. <laughs> That's called the blame game, and it's been going on forever, hasn't it? No, absolutely. It's just falling perfectly down the line, isn't it? Perfectly in a bad way, right? Isn't that something? That blame game has been going on, and if you go we look at E's response, well, it was the serpent. In other words, whose problem is that? Well, God made everything. That's his problem, too. God didn't get a lot of glory from them that day. That's correct. And still. That's right. That's right. Why did, I mean, and we, we, I want to get into this for a second. We talked, touched on this last week for a moment in part of that. But one of the reasons that we're given as much free reign as we are, and that's free reign, isn't it? I mean, they're in a perfect spot. You, I don't know where you live, but this is really, compared to North Dakota, this is awesome. It's not paradise, but it's pretty close comparatively. But think of the Garden of Eden. It's perfect. 
perfect. The temperature was perfect. The precipitation was perfect. It never rained there, by the way. Oh, it was perfect. It was all perfect. It was so perfect. And even in that situation, because of the wickedness of the human heart, who did they trust? Not God. Not God. It's the same thing that happens to us today. It's absolutely true. It's the way it works. Where is our love? Where is our trust? And they sold him out. Why did he not just not let them do that? In other words, why did he have this stupid tree in the middle of the garden that they, couldn't, that, that they could be tempted by? Why didn't he cut it down? Why did he give it there? And what does it say when we don't obey? We don't love him. And there's no way to force love. If you're here today and you're a husband and a wife, if you would try to force your mate to love you, you will love me. No, he, no, he or she won't. That's a choice. That's a choice. And can only be a choice if they have the ability to be free to make the choice. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why God is such an awesome, loving God, is He gave us every opportunity, every possible opportunity to make the right choice. And along with that, there has to be the chance to not make the right choice. How's our time? Ooh, it's going along, isn't it? How do we glorify God? Well, we taught, first of all, just the overarching thing is aiming your life at the purpose of glorifying God in everything. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Number one, we start off with accepting Christ as your Savior. That's the first and foremost, the only way to get started on giving yourself or giving glory to God. And literally, it's the sacrifice of self. It's putting self in its proper place. You're eliminating self-worship. We are preferring Him above anything else. I'd like to go to... Uh, see, should we take time for that? We have to... Yeah, I want to, let's just do this real quickly. You, you guys know a guy by the name of Achan? Anybody? His, his name was Achan, okay? Achan kind of had some of the same problems. Let's go to Joshua. Let's go to Joshua, and let's find out Achan. I want you to see something, and we're working along the lines of you give glory by confessing your sin. When you do that, God is glorified. Uh, Joshua chapter 7, and I'm going to have to, uh, let's see, where do we want to start? I'm, going to, I'm just going to paraphrase and bring you up to speed. Okay, they had, uh, Joshua had led the troops in, and they, remember the, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, right? And they walked around the walls one time for every day for six days, and then the last day they went around it seven times, and they blew their horns, and guess what? The walls tumbled down. Now, that seems odd, but you know what? It's really cool. I love, I love when we go back to um, archaeology, right? That would be the right word. Struggling around. Yeah, it is. Okay. And they actually found this site. Guess what? Now, if you would have been an enemy and you would have beat on the walls, the walls would have went inside if they would have been crumbled from the, from the opposition and the power from the outside, correct? Jericho, guess what? The walls fell outside. Oh, that's powerful, isn't it? My God is great. He did the work. I Trust me, there's not another one that was a fortification that was ever where the walls literally fell out to the enemy. God did that. That's, that's cool. But anyway, so that was a magic victory. Everybody's powerful. Oh, this is good. We're on board. We're going to go to Canaan, and we are slam dunk in the business, and God is going to take care of us forever, and we are the ticket. Well, there's a man by the name of Achan, that guy, A-C-H-A-N, and they were told not to take anything from there. No nothing. This is God's stuff. What did Achan do? He stole some stuff. He took stuff, now think of it, one of, one of them was some garments, and some was silver and gold, right? So he hid those, and he has these garments. Now let, let's talk about this for a second. You know he can never wear that out in public, <laughs> and he could never use his silver or gold, because they know where he got from, right? This is like, why did you do that? Well, again, this, this list is arranged, but why would we take our life and pour it into money, fame, and power? There's nothing you can get from it, except maybe some fleeting moment. Anyway, here we go. Now, speeding into that, they finally found who it is. God reveals it to them. Now, watch. Verse 19. 
Joshua, he was the leader, he said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done, hide it not from me. Did you see it? Did, how did God get glory? When Achan confessed the sin that he committed. There it is. I went another way to glorify God. Well, let's go to another one. We're not, by the way, I'm going to just, there's, there's 12 of them. And so we're not going to get through them all today. Unless you want to. No, that's, I saw a definitive no out there. So, so let's just take a couple more. Okay. Another way, uh, so let's review for a second. First of all, the overarching thing, the umbrella over all of this in the sense of giving glory to God is what? You have to aim your life purposefully to glorify God. It's just like an arrow. You know, what you aim for is what you're going to hit. So take your life and purposefully aim it at giving God glory. And in whatever you do, either there's eating or drinking, everything that you do. And then, first of all, is give your life, give everything that you are to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He also receives glory by confession of sin. We've just looked at that pretty extensively. Let's go to Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. Romans chapter 4, verse 20, we'll find another one. <clears throat> now, how many of you, don't, don't read it, just don't do that right now, but you can get to Romans chapter 4 and then just stop. So tell me about your week. Did you have something this week that you had a problem or you had a concern? You had an overarching issue that, man, it was, it was really something. I mean, it had your full-blown attention. In fact, so much that you did not know what to do. It encapsulated you. It overpowered you. It grabbed you and stuffed you into the worry chamber. And there was no doors to get out. Okay? How did I do? It happens, doesn't it? It happens a lot. So what are we doing when we're worrying? We're not, we're not trusting. We're not trusting God. Now, there are times that you may trust yourself through a, a problem that's not as big. Oh, I can handle that. Have you ever heard that? I have said that. Oh, that's not a big deal. I can handle that. That is so stupid. <laughs> it's amazing how that problem can just overpower you immediately because, no, you can't handle it. But when we trust God, that's a way to glorify Him. Let's go to Romans chapter 4 now in verse 20. I want you to, I want, we're going to take a peek at Abraham. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 20. In fact, where do we want to start? Romans chapter 4. And I was going to start in 20, but I'd like to back up a little bit. Um, verse 18, we'll start there. Who against hope believed in hope. This is, he's speaking of Abram, Abraham that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. That was a promise that God gave to Abraham. Now, by the way, how, many, how much family and children did Abraham have at the point of when, he made, when God made that promise? Back in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15, he, he repeated it. In fact, Abraham was like, uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of time going by. We're not moving along very quickly. He had zero kids, zero kids. How's it looking? You know how long he waited for this? 25 years. 25 years. Have you waited for 25 years for anything? Probably have. Boy, is that easy, isn't it? Talk about leading back to last week, endurance. Endurance and faith. Look at this. Let's keep going. Verse 19, and being not weak in his faith, he was not weak in his faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. She's 90 he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, watch, giving glory to God. When you have faith, when you're trusting God, that is a way to give glory to God, when you're trusting Him. There it is. That's another one. Isn't that amazing? It's cool stuff. So when we're not trusting God, guess what's happening? Obviously, we're not giving glory to God, but you know what else is going on? We're missing opportunities to give Him glory when we trust in ourselves. That's right, missing a blessing. And all, the other thing I want, I want we're, we're going to have to do this because the chances of us getting through the rest of these are about zero. And the other part is, is part of this is when you are engaged in glorifying God. See, that's a big word, isn't it? See, if you go downtown Sheridan, I'm going to say, what are you, how are you doing today? They ask me, Larry, how are you doing today? Oh, I, man, I'm good. I'm glorifying God today. See ya, right? <laughs> that's not Napa shop talk, is it? It's not. But it's God talk, and that's the way we're to act. That's what brings us glory. You know, and the other thing, I, I, I was talking, uh, where was that? 
Anyway, so, somebody can bring something to you and get you fired up, right? Did I hear what I just thought I heard? And you know, you're on, right? Man, I'm there. You know what? You want to bring glory to God? Just quiet down. Let Him rant and rave. Really? I'm probably worse than you think I am. That'll shut them down. You ever tried that? When they tell you they've got all kinds of words for you and they're telling you that you're kind of a creep and a loser and all of that, and then they get done. Ever, try this sometime. Oh, that's not the half of it. I'm a lot worse than that. <laughs> they don't know what to say. It just shuts them down. You have to try it sometime because it's, it's almost hilarious. And then when it's all done, guess what? It's over that way. Sometimes they apologize. Sometimes they don't. When they apologize, take the opportunity to say, that's great, awesome. Let's get, it, let's, let's, let's get going, right? But I love the one. It'll take their ammunition, and it just empties it right on the ground. Oh, you don't know the half of me. <laughs> it works. But do you see, again, how God is glorified? Not in ourselves. And who, who got pumped up? Who got We do. Self. I shouldn't have to take. Look what's happening in Washington, D.C. If just... I think if just one person would say, enough, enough. Yeah. I'm not going to respond to that right now. Let us work on the projects that the people deserve for us to work on. Let's get busy about the business of the people. You know what happened to that? It would totally, it would just, what's the right word? I'm thinking of metamorphosis, but that's, Deflate. excuse me? Deflate. Deflate, it would certainly do that. It would change the whole context of everything, wouldn't it? And it starts with one. That's the power. And who do you think is glorified when that happens? God is. God is. And that doesn't come from ourselves. Guess what you had to do with self? You had to sacrifice self. You had to push self away because as soon as self is on the throne, you're going to have the same response that Adam had with God. That's that woman you gave me. Right? It's the same deal. But if we step out with the strength that comes within us after we've trusted Christ as Savior, you have the Holy Spirit who works in you, who fills you up. And guess what? I think we're going to stop for today because I want to take you to a verse that is so powerful. I'm going to tell you one more way to give God glory. And I want you to see something that comes when we give God glory. Joy is ours. And you can't find joy apart from God. You can't do it. It's impossible. It must come from Him. Let's go ahead and look at uh, John. Let's go I'm out of context a little bit. No, it's not. It is the next one. We glorify God by being fruitful, fruitful. Let's go to John chapter 15, John chapter 15, a familiar passage to most of you. John chapter 15, and Jesus is talking about remaining in the vine, being part of the vine. I'm, I'm going to read this passage, and I'm going to, first of all, we're going to stop at verse 8, and we'll take a look, and then we're going to go to verse 11. But John chapter 15, we'll start in verse 1. I want you to get the context. This is Jesus' own words to His disciples. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, that word purge, in other words, um, to help me, lost the word. Prune, there you go, prune. How many of you, uh, how many of you are good at pruning trees? Anyone? There's not one person in here. It's, are, are you, I'll bet you are now that I know that. You know what, and, and to watch someone that really knows what they're doing to prune trees, I mean, that's really good at it. It's, it's an art. It really is. And you know, the one thing is, if I'm who don't know how to prune free, tr prune trees, I'm going to say prune, prune trees. No, I'm not talking about when, when I don't know what I'm doing as far as pruning trees, but when I watch somebody that does, I look at the before and I look at the after, they killed it, <laughs> right? Because they don't know what I'm doing. But to that person that is able to prune effectively and adequately, guess what? They know just where to cut those off because those are limbs. Those are things that aren't going to do any good but to just suck energy that does nothing in the sense of bearing fruit. Now, God is really, really good at that. He can figure out our lives and He can say, oh, that one is headed in the wrong direction. Let's snip that off. Let's use the energy somewhere else. Let's bear fruit in another way. And that's exactly what's behind this word. He wants you to bear so much fruit because at the end of it, it's a beautiful picture. Well, we'll keep going. But do you see what I'm saying? Someone that knows how to prune trees gets it even clearer. Abide in me, verse 4, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. You must be in Jesus Christ. That's how you bear fruit. You can't do it alone. I am the vine. 
You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And a man gather them and cast them in the fire, they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein, watch, herein is my Father, again, watch, herein is my Father glorified. Oh, glory, see the, see the word glorified? That you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. When you bear fruit, you're glorifying the Father. Let's keep moving. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Watch now. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Do you see it? When you're glorifying God, the joy is yours. Back to Paul, what did we say? The end of man is... To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. When you're glorifying God, joy is yours to it for it, really for eternity. Isn't that beautiful? And you say, that's a lot of stuff we just got. That's right. That's why we're going to come back next week. And there's another, how many did I give you? You guys are going to tell me. You tell me. We're going to write them down. Just four? Okay. One, what was the first one? Okay. Trust Christ. As Savior, number two, confession of sins. That glorifies Him. Number three, trusting Him, God. Four, fruitfulness. And you know what? These are just four. There's eight left. You, eight more? Yeah, we'll get them done next week. You'll be amazed how quickly we'll go next. You won't believe how fast we'll go next week. And no one believes me at all. Did you see that? He's going to turn that one into two more weeks. I can see it already, right? You never know, though, right? Okay, here's the cool part, though. This turns into joy. Every time that you are glorifying God, joy is yours. Not because I said so, because the Bible says so. All right? Questions or comments? Not one question or comment. All right. So you guys focused on glorifying God? What is your purpose? See, you can tell people a lot of stuff now. Where did you come from? What's your purpose? Where am I going? Why am I doing it? What is success? Look at all of those questions you have answered. <laughs> all right. With that, let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love and care. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for the enthusiasm that we can have because we are in your hands, in your care. And you've, especially, Father, we've asked that anyone that has not had opportunity to trust Christ as Savior, that even today would be that day. Them in the quietness of their heart, it's just them and you, that they would surrender self to you, giving you what you want. And that is all of them. Father, you deserve our glory. You deserve our honor. You are first and foremost God. God, a God that has intrinsic glory, but also deserves glory from us. Father, we would pray for each one of these here today that you'd give them comfort, you'd give them wisdom, you'd give them courage, but Father, more than anything, may the relationship that they have with you expand and expound, just as we talked about in John 15, being part of the vine. Father, go with us, teach us. Help us in our walk. One of the things that we haven't gotten to yet but is extremely important is the fact that your purpose for us was to be conformed to the image of your Son. Father, as you do that work, as you do that sculpting, may you give us a vision to see where you want us to be and to do. Now, Father, we thank, thank you for all of these things in the name of Christ, Savior, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.